told you. <laughs> He's a bit like a stick in plaster these days, and that's three, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, just once again, I want to say how grateful I am to Steve for his invitation to be in this pulpit. As I said at the beginning, I'm currently on sabbatical. I've been on sabbatical since June 9th, and it's been just such an enormous gift to step away from preaching for a season. Somehow, before I got ordained, I didn't get it into my head that there is a Sunday every single week of the year. Every single week of the year, Sunday. And so if you add that Sunday together with all of the other special services throughout the year, it makes for a lot of sermons over the course of a year. Uh, although I will say this, typically our sermons in America are a bit shorter than here, than here. So you can time me. No one's ever complained about getting out of church early in my 19 years of ministry. Um, okay, go ahead, darling. But it's been really good for me, <clears throat> body and soul, and just a tremendous grace to step away for a season. But another deep, deep grace in my life has been the ministry of Steve Stockman. I arrived in Derryvogie Halls where he was a chaplain back in 1997, fresh from Portadown College. I'd grown up in an estate, Killicamain, which was really uh, kind of at the heart of the troubles. And, you know, Drum Cree was right around the corner. I came to faith through a good news club that was run by the Free Presbyterian Church in my estate, and the foundation of my faith was primarily fear. You were either in or you were out, and God was not the only one that got to decide on that. I moved to the country to Clare, just outside of Tandragee, home of Tato Castle, which now that we're tourists when we come back, we go and we visit all of these things and take pictures of them. So I moved to Clare with my family. We built a house next door to my granny and granda. I joined an accordion band, became a member of a small country church. So friends, can you imagine my surprise when I walked into Steve Stockman's world, where the center was not fear, but grace, always. As my call to ministry unfolded, I'll say that Jerry Volge was a real turning point in my faith for me. And as my call to ministry unfolded, it was a gift and a grace to know that there was at least one Presbyterian minister in Ireland who would affirm and encourage that call to a woman of God. You are indeed blessed to be in this season of ministry together. I keep up with uh, Steve on Facebook. I know this is a great church. I know you're not perfect by any means because the day that you joined, the church became a little less perfect, right? But as you continue 
to lean into that gift of grace together and to be blown away from it as you draw the circle wider and wider here. It is my prayer that God will richly bless Fitzroy Presbyterian because you're needed, because you're needed as a light and as a witness in this country. The author Madeline Lengel once wrote, we draw people to Christ, not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all of their hearts to know the source of it. We draw people to Jesus Christ by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all of their hearts to know the source of it. May others come to know the source of this grace in which we live because of you. I invite you to pray with me, please. Holy God, open up your word to us now and open us to your word that we might encounter Jesus Christ, the living word, in our midst. This we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The gospel reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Hey, buddy. As I've been on sabbatical, David my husband David and I and our three boys have been living back in my parents' house in Clare, just outside of Tandragee. I have an older brother and I have a younger sister and when we're all together with everyone's kids and everyone's spouses in my parents' pretty small country house, it can be, can be a bit jam-packed, really, when we're all in there together. Honestly, it's been great, and it's been a real balm to my heart and my soul to have this sort of time with my family after 19 years away, and I would come back for maybe two weeks at a time. But I never really got to enjoy everyday life. 
I haven't really had the opportunity to really get to know my nieces and my nephews. And so I know that we're going to walk away from this summer just rich with memories. However, <laughs> it's also remarkable to me to notice how when families all get together, we just fall back into our usual patterns, right? Is that true? My sister and my brother and I, now we're, we're 32, 40, and 42. I'll let you decide which one of those numbers you want to attribute to me, but that's what we are. And yet, when we get together, it's like we're 3 and 11 and 13 all over again, right? My mom and dad are still trying to get us to stop arguing with each other. Right? We're still arguing. Tell him to give that to me. She needs to stop. Why does he always get his own way? Why are we still doing that? <laughs> Why? Those are all of the family moments that you don't post on Facebook or Instagram, right? You get the best family photograph. You put the best filter on it, and you put it up there. It's just blissful, we say, at the Cayenne household. I won't go into too many of the details here, but suffice to say, when I read this story of Martha and Mary afresh over this past week, well, I could relate to it, right? Why do they never help with the dishes? Why are they always sitting down with a cup of tea after dinner? Always. Can you picture it now in your mind's eye? Martha working away in the kitchen, and she notices that Mary's just sitting in the living room with Jesus, just sitting at his feet, just sitting listening, and the old tapes start to play in her head. You know those tapes that play in your head? She never helps with dinner. In fact, I've never even seen her lift a finger to help with anything around this house. And so you start to bang the pots and the pans just a wee bit louder. You start closing cupboard doors just a wee bit more forcefully than might be necessary, hoping that maybe if you make enough noise, somebody will come in and help you. But Mary never did, did she? No, she just sat in the living room listening to Jesus. I think it's normal enough for, Mar for Martha to get a little frustrated. And finally, she can't stand it anymore. Jesus, don't you care? Tell her to help me. This is just a wild guess, but I'm going to venture to guess that this is not the first time that this argument has broken out in this house. And after several years of ministry, it reminds me of an argument that breaks out in another family time and time again. A family called the church. Some of us can relate to Mary. We love to sit at Jesus' feet. We could stay here in worship all day. When we get caught up in a beautiful worship song, we feel so close to him. 
In it, we behold the beauty of God. We're led by our hearts. A well-written book could keep us up all night. When we hear of a need, we give because it breaks our hearts. The Marys among us are wired to behold. The Marys among us are wired to behold. Others of us, well, we can relate to Martha. We love to work for Jesus. We want to get the work done. We want to make sure that all of the bills are paid. And when Martha gives, she gives because she knows it is her responsibility to give. Martha's are wired for work. Mary's are wired to behold. But we don't understand either of them unless we come to understand that they are related. Of course, in the church, what we do is just argue back and forth about who has the gospel right. Of course, we get the need to behold. Without it, we wouldn't be in worship today. But then again, Without the Marthas in the church, this church would have faded away a long, long time ago. It's just that sometimes they get so ticked off with the Marys. Anna Carter Florence teaches preaching at Columbia Seminary in Georgia, and she says of this passage that if Martha had had directed this request to God rather than to Jesus, then we would call it a prayer. The psalmist would write it out as a lament, as a request for deliverance from those who are not pulling their weight in the church. We probably would be able to write some of those ourselves, wouldn't we? Lord, don't you care? Listen, you know, Lord, how much money I give to the church, and you know that she has a lot more money than I do, and I don't think she's given at all. I don't think she gives a penny. Don't you care? God, don't you care? I mean, I'm here every Sunday, and then I come for committee meetings too, and I'm setting up tea for after church, and... Well, I don't think he's involved at all. I've never seen him do any mission. He's never even made a cup of tea in this church. God, don't you care? Martha has a point. Mary has a point. But often they're missing the point of each other, which is that they are sisters. With her outburst, Martha invites Jesus into this family argument, and if you read the Gospels carefully, you'll see that Jesus doesn't usually get involved in these sorts of family arguments. So the fact that he does here tells me to pay attention to what's going on. Martha, Martha. He says her name twice. 
Now, when someone uses your full name, you know, when I heard growing up, Tracy Jordina Madge Cowan, get over here. I knew what that meant. What did it mean? I was in trouble, right? When someone says your full name, you know what that means, you're in trouble. But I think when someone says your name twice, Martha, Martha, Tracy, Tracy, well, I think that just means you're confused. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted, upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. Note that Jesus doesn't say there that Mary is better. He doesn't say Mary is better. Quite often when I hear sermons on this passage, and surely I've even preached sermons on this passage, the virtues of Mary, who sits and contemplates Jesus, are upheld, and then we quickly move on to some Martha bashing about how we shouldn't be so busy and distracted all of the time. If all of us are called to be contemplatives all of the time, that leaves those of us who are wired a little bit more like Martha, wired for work, feeling like we're not quite making the cut when it comes to personal devotion. But Jesus here doesn't judge Martha or her work ethic. In fact, the text which comes immediately before this one in Luke's Gospel is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you remember what happens there. The priest and the Levite, they hurry by. They're on their way to where? To worship. They're on their way to behold. It's the Good Samaritan, the worker there, who is praised by Jesus. We need Martha for the mission of the church. And we need Mary, for we have to behold the one for whom we are working. They're sisters. Not only in the church, but also within each of us as individuals, we need to attend to both parts. Jesus' concern here in this story appears to be for those who have committed themselves to serve, that they attend to the soul's yearning for the one they serve. Then they get to work on all of the dreams and visions which have unfolded while they're beholding, beholding the one who is, as we read in Colossians, the head of the body, the church. But if you worship only your work for Jesus, then you're in danger of losing Jesus himself, who is always the better part. Beholding and serving, worshiping and working, Fitzroy friends, may we center in Christ's love. 
May we pay attention to his presence. And then may we rise together to be instruments of his grace, a grace which is so desperately needed in the streets of Belfast and beyond. Worship and work, behold and serve, and always, always, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.